Recycled aluminum cans in America are offering hope in the hardship and poverty in Sudan. Join me as I visit with Dennis Quirry, founder of QB for Hope, as we visit about his journey as a refugee coming to America. A Sudanese refugee, now living in America, collects and recycles aluminum cans in his spare time to help his people. So far, he has built them a school, a church, and feeds the whole town a Christmas meal. Welcome. This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ideas in ministry, innovative approaches, and collaborative efforts. I'm your host, Dennis Weens, Vice President for Ministry Partnerships at SAT7 USA. I recently met Dennis Query, a Sudanese refugee now living in the U.S. that collects and recycles aluminum cans in his spare time to help his people in Sudan. So, Dennis, when I heard this, it was an amazing story of generosity and how you as a refugee, your wife Jane as refugees from Sudan in America, live out generosity. So welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you. And, I, you know, we hear a lot about refugees. We hear a lot about Sudan. But take us back to your village. Where does this story start? Talk to us a little bit about your village and the situation there that you were in before you immigrated to the States. I was born uh, in a village in South Sudan called Kajukeji. It's south of South Sudan, um, in the border of Uganda. Uh, the population is about 500 to 8,000 uh, people live there, and most of them live in um, uh, huts and, and mud house, and uh, there's no infrastructure at all. And, and most of them even, you know, um, walk to Uganda for shopping instead of coming to the capital of uh, South Sudan, uh, because uh, Uganda is a lot closer than uh, just coming to Juba. So it's a small village, but because of the continuing going of the civil war right now is, I think there are about maybe 200 people living in Kajukeji village. Most of them, you know, farmers, some of them even don't have basic necessity. Um, so they just struggle every day. That's why most of them, they, they left Kajukeji, they went to live a refugee camp in Morobo, uh, refugee camp close to Uganda border. So most people are living below the poverty line. There's a lot of hardship. I know you were telling us that uh, even water, a necessity every day, you walk so far just for some water for basic needs that the family has, right? Yes, yes. Yes. So the hardship is, you know, like uh, as a child, you know, you wake up in the morning, uh, you even don't know whether you will, you will, you will have a meal. So I wake up in the morning knowing that uh, my mom have to walk 40 miles to get water. And she, after that, then she have to walk into, you know, to a, a farm, look for food, you know, that she will cook for us. And sometimes even we don't have food then she has to go and work for someone else in his field or in their field. And then that person will donate a couple of food so that she will bring and cook for us. That's how yeah. struggle is. So everything is walking. Here in America, we turn the faucet on. We're wash, washing vegetables at the counter. We just let it run full blast while, you know, we wash all the vegetables or we go to brush our teeth. We take a shower. We just let the water run all the time. But your mom walks 40 miles, not kilometers, miles, just to get basic water for the needs and for cooking. That's amazing. Yes, yes. Now, you became a refugee, but your journey to the States took you through the Middle East. I'm curious, uh, that track, and I know you went to Syria. Talk us a little bit. Did you get help in your village to be able to go to the Middle East? Or how does, how does that work for immigrants? 
So earlier in our age, um, when uh, I was five or six, uh, my dad knew that um, he wanted us to be educated uh, and uh, living in a village is not an option. So then we left the village, you know, we moved to uh, north, the capital of Sudan. Uh, and then I finished my high school uh, in, in North Sudan because of the uh, uh, the persecution of the Christians in South in Sudan. Uh, uh, then uh, my dad once was arrested because of just leaving the faith. Uh, when he was released, then it's become very risky where uh, I am the oldest of seven kids, four boys and uh, two sisters, uh, six actually. Um, and, and, and I was, I was detained. I was detained so that I can give an information about my father, uh, what he does and what church he goes to. And, uh, I, of course I refuse. Uh, then I knew that my life is in risk and not only my life. And then the family life is on risk. Uh, uh we can be killed in any time. And when you kill no, normally, they just throw you into river or they, they just shoot you or an accidentally they claim that in an accident, they just come and hit you with a truck or a motorcycle. Uh, so uh, when we knew that, then we have to flee Sudan. Uh, we left Sudan. We come to uh, Syria, Damascus. Uh, we live in Damascus for uh, three years. To Damascus, we all we didn't come as one unit family together. I first fled, and then after two months, my mom joined me. My dad claimed to come and visit my mom, who was sick. And then a couple of my brothers came in so, so that we don't give attention to the government that we are leaving the country. So in Damascus, we live in a refugee camp for three and a half years. And then always then the United Nation, uh, when you become refugee, the United Nation will look for a host country where all these refugees need to be resettled. One of the countries that resettled you, uh, refugees are United States and Canada and UK. And an attorney from the State Department come and visit a refugee camp. They interview my family. And from there, then, you know, um, we were able to, you know, come to uh, Chicago uh, area, uh, Illinois. So all the countries that you could have gone to providentially, your country through the United Nations was America. And uh, here you end up, uh, we're in Kansas City. So I know I heard you speak at church, and you were talking about generosity. You want to give back to your people, and so you collect aluminum cans, you recycle them, and you take the little you get from that and give back uh, to your people. You've already built a school, you built a church, you feed the town every Christmas, and you're doing so much more. I know you want to drill wells. Yes. But where did where did this generosity that uh, you demonstrate by collecting cans that we discard and don't even think of, you collect that and turn it in something amazing? Uh, that came uh, from when we first uh, arrived to Chicago area, uh, our hosted family, um, which kind of welcomed us uh, to Chicago area, up to our apartment who was walking us through the life in America because we came in from a village and then we live in a small town in Khartoum. So we know nothing about America at all and what, what is living in America. So um, uh, the family were very generous on, you know, uh, giving us a winter clothes, uh, giving us a shoes, you know, and, and just helping us along uh, where we can go for shopping, where can we go for school, or, you know, all these resources that we have known of. Seeing that in them, I knew that they probably know God. 
because God, one of, uh, I think Mark um, 12 or 31 says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that is the compassion. You need to be compassion. So that generosity actually, you know, came from, you know, the American family that hosted us. So I felt like, you know, okay, after living here for 10, 15 years that I knew that, you know, I have to help my village back in South Sudan because of, you know, uh, every year they were asking that, you know, we need money for Christmas. So we don't have much. Can you send us some money? And my, my wife and my, uh, our seller is very small, you know. So I felt like for an ongoing um, support, I have to look for something. It's very hard to go out in the street and ask somebody like, could you give me $50? I want to send it to my village in Africa, right? So I thought like, okay, if I can collect aluminum cans and recycle that, that small amount might be able to help people in the village. And then when I share my story with my struggle of collecting aluminum cans, I think some people will be touched, which they are now. Some people say, you know what? Aluminum cans give you a small amount of dollars. Can I donate fifty dollars one hundred dollars you know so i you know, from that struggle of collecting aluminum can which i don't see a struggle but it is uh i have you know like my family i have good friends that you know annually giving you know uh, money so that we can support those projects which you mentioned you know uh we build the church and the school and now we need to provide a water well and then the extra uh, uh um projects that will be you know coming forth I was reading online that it takes 32 aluminum cans to make a pound. Yep. And I don't know what you get for a pound of aluminum, but it's not much. So a can is only valued at a couple cents. Yeah. And you collected that the cumulative value of cans, discarded, but you collect them, has built a school, a church, and it feeds a whole town. Yeah. yeah. And you're growing from there. So that's really amazing. I thank you for your generosity. And, yeah. and you learned it from your host family. Yeah but now you're also living it out for your village and people around you. So we can talk about it today. So thank you for that. You talked a little bit about coming and your host family took you in, were generous, uh, helped you get clothes, helped you adapt. Uh, What are some, what are some other struggles that refugees have coming from like Africa or other places where there's hostility and difficulty and they come to America? What are some of the things that they face? Oh, uh, language and then culture um, and um, uh, adaptations. Uh, language which most people you came, you don't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in order to um, to join American force or to melt in America, you know, you have to learn English. That's one of the early struggles that our family faced, which, uh, you know, um, I, we have to become, for me, like I felt like I am adult child because I have to learn how to read. I have to learn sentence, the basic, you know, informations. And then um, from there, then I have to go to, you know, uh, a community college, which I spent a lot of time, you know, learning how to read, how to write, how to write essays, you know, and, 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 and then how to communicate is the body language, which is American culture is completely different. Like an eye contact, an eye contact in America, you know, you have to maintain eye contact, which means an honesty or decency or respect. That in my or in my culture, when you maintain eye contact, you and I have eye contact, oh, I, I'm looking at you. That is rude, that disrespectful when I do that. So I have to look down or I have to look away when I'm talking with you. So uh, I, I have to balance that because 
elder, you know, I have my dad and my mom at home. When I'm talking with them, I have to, you know, look away or look down, not looking on their eyes. Then when I go to work or go to school, talking to my instructor, I have to look at their eye to maintain the honesty and respect and dignity that I am respecting you. I'm not telling a lies. So that is a struggle. Even to today, you know, I have, if my dad come and visit me, you know, Def, you know, my character completely switched. And, you know, I grew up in uh, West Africa, so I know what you're talking about. And then, of course, we went back and worked there with the church in uh, yes. West Africa for 20-some years. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about, the cultural right. issues. Yeah. Yeah. I was American and had to adapt to the culture there. So, yeah, a lot of these things uh, bring back a lot of memories. Yeah, uh, how, yes. ca- how can people find more about uh, your your story? I know you got a website. Uh, you do some uh you give out information on Facebook. Uh, where, where are some inf- where can people find some information on this project? Um, if you could um, really support uh, Kubi for Hope and support my nonprofit organization, that would be great. That would be a blessing uh, to me and to the people in the village. Um, you can visit uh, www.kubi4hope.org. Uh, that is a website that um, uh, you will find all the information and, and, and I would love for you to support uh, this cost. And then whether it was a monthly, you know, uh, giving or donation or one time or, uh, or you want to collect aluminum cans, recycle them and then take that little amount and you could send it through. Uh, could be for her website. You could give through actually whether you're using credit card, debit card, you know, uh, they say many ways that you could you could do that uh, so that we can, you know, help those who uh, are in need. I encourage people to get on that website, Kubi, K-U-B-I, then for F-O-R and hope, H-O-P-E dot org. And you can see the church built with Dennis having collected these aluminum cans, and maybe your group would like to ca- uh, collect a couple bags of aluminum cans. Uh, don't send the aluminum cans to Dennis, but uh, recycle them and then send the gifts uh, through QB for Hope website or get on Facebook. Uh, he has a lot of stories there. You're married, have a family. Uh, you met your wife in your village. Is she from the same town as you? Yes, uh, my my wife is from the same uh, village. Uh, from the same village, and uh, I met her in in North Sudan. Um, I was visiting my grandparents before they passed to be with the Lord, uh, and then uh, my grandparents was invited for a wedding, and then uh, they asked me to come along with them. So. Uh, in the wedding, uh, uh, my wife was helping in the wedding, you know, receptions and all that kind of stuff. That's how I, I met her, make story uh, short. And uh, we dated a uh, long distance and uh, uh, proposed to her and get married and come back. We came to Kansas City. Yeah. And she became, uh, I believe you said, a medical doctor in Sudan. Yes, she was. Uh, yeah. A medical doctor in Sudan and um, uh, practicing, and then when um, uh, she, you know, we get married and we move to Kansas City, uh, she tried to, you know, to get into the medical field, and which is a very a tedious, very expensive, and uh, a lot of process. And um, uh, to she said that you know she's okay. Uh, you know, one of the advisors advised her that you know, um, with your degree, with all the knowledge that you have. I think if you just go back to school for a nursing degree, you know, like 14 months or 16 months, you can get a bachelor degree in nursing and you will be able to practice as a nurse. And then if you think of going back to medical school, then you could, you know, proceed from there. So, but uh, she is very, uh, she is uh, very satisfied with uh, her medical, uh, with her um, uh, nursing degree and um, she's working and she loves to, you know, help uh, her patients. 
Uh, very good, and God's blessed you with a couple children now, so a family. You know, I read on your website, um, you believe your life's mission is to live God's great commission for their lives by pouring out their passion for teaching, motivating, and sharing your life experiences through testimonies. And you speak uh, in schools. You, I know I heard you at a church. You work full-time, so you have to take vacation to actually go speak in a, yes. in a school or do some public speaking, but you really live this message of generosity even with your time and uh, taking vacation time to go speak to kids in the school. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. I haven't taken the vacation pretty much for a very long time because most of the vacation hours I utilize that so that I can go to speak as again, as you mentioned to, you know, uh, college that you speak at UMKC, uh, KU University. Tomorrow, actually, uh, uh, Monday, I'm going to speak to elementary school. So I use my uh, vacation and, you know, um, you have a great audience. If, you know, they want, if they have a platform that, you know, they can invite me to speak on the platform, that would be great. I would love to share my story uh, so that many people uh, will learn about, you know, what I went through so that they can appreciate what their life is. I think that's that's what I really want to. So I'm not only talking about my story, you know, when I share my story, I'm sure that you will be encouraged also to know what is so that you'll be able to share your story. So um, yeah, if you have a platform, please invite me. I'll be able to, you know, to come and, and talk in you uh, in the platform to inspire so many people. And I would encourage people, too, as there's refugees in your area or people in immigration, uh, reach out, be generous, be their friend. And just like that family in Chicago helped Dennis and Jane them adjust to America, be that person for another family coming. And uh, you can see the amazing impact that that generosity in Chicago had and how God has blessed that. So uh, reach out to refugees and those in immigration that are coming to your town. And be hospitable, be generous, uh, uh, be a friend, uh, build that relationship with them. So, Dennis, great to hear your story. And again, give by your website, uh, qbforhope.org. Yes, it's www.qbforhope.org. Send me an email, you know, and or even you could go on Facebook and, and you could actually go to YouTube also. You could uh, see me. Uh, I have a couple of videos on YouTube also. Uh, it's a KC Men Recycle Cans. KC Men Recycle Cans. KC Man Recycles Cans. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So we'll have people Google that and uh, find out, and hopefully somebody will reach out and have you come and speak to them. Again, uh, this podcast is about fresh ideas. This is definitely a fresh, a fresh approach, uh, innovative approach. And if you've liked uh, hearing about uh, Dennis and his journey to Kansas City from South Sudan, uh, share this with others. If you have a fresh idea, innovative approach to ministry, let me know. I'd like to have you on as a guest as well. So, Dennis, thank you for joining me on this Unconventional Ministry podcast. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Dennis, also for hosting me. I really appreciate um, you. And uh, since day one, when I met you, you just uh, uh, inspired me. And uh, you know, and I, I look forward to work with you for a long, long time. Very good. Glad to do it and uh, glad this friendship, uh, we have this and we can... Uh, do more things together. So have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7 as a broadcast media ministry is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at SAT. 
number7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.